reading from verse 1. We'll do that in a wee second. Give the first slide up, please. What is it that firefighters, paramedics, even lifeboat crews like this have in common? Well, what is their business? It's all about saving lives, isn't it? They have to save as many people as they can. And what do they need to do? What do they need to be in order to save as many lives as they possibly can? Well, they need to be ready to respond. Ready to respond when the alarm goes off. If they're not ready to respond, what happens? Well, sadly, lives can be lost. I want to say tonight that the same can be said of the church. Jesus Christ had said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, remember the key that unlocks the book of Acts for us, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses. You will testify to the truth about me everywhere. And he also said to his disciples in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. And in our proclamation, in our witnessing, in our testifying to the truth about Jesus everywhere is the good news that people can be saved, rescued, ransomed. It's all about saving lives. We saw even last week as we looked at what the church did when they gathered. Well, even as they focused on themselves, they were missional in doing so. Or else, why would we see so many saved? 3,000 added to their number that day. Well, if we are not ready, opportunities are missed. And who knows, lives may be lost. I wonder if you can think of a time when an opportunity arose uh, to share the gospel, but we missed it, maybe because we weren't ready. We didn't quite know what to say. It wasn't quite our heart attitude or mindset to be ready and be alert to respond when the opportunity came well God tells us that we should always be prepared as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us and in our text tonight we see Peter himself showing us that he was always ready for everyday mission I've invited Angus to come and read Acts chapter 3 through to 4.4 4 for us. Thanks very much. There you go. Thank you. Are we on? There we go. So we're going to read from the start of chapter 3 through to verse 4 of chapter 4. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. 
Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through the holy, his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant made with your, of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because of the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Here we, there we go, yes. We're going to take us in three sections tonight, verses 1 to 11 of chapter 3. Uh, be ready, verses 12 to 26. Be bold, and chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, be prepared. So be ready, be bold, be prepared. You ready? Good. Be ready, verses 1 to 11. I think the first thing that we see here is that God gives us opportunities to share the gospel. An opportunity arises here in this text for Peter in everyday in an everyday situation of everyday life. Uh, Luke introduces us to this beggar in verse two, who's just going about his own everyday life. Every day he's carried to the beautiful gate to beg. He's more than likely known to the people around there. He's maybe something of an institution. 
uh, we know ourselves as we walk around Edinburgh, there are some people, homeless people, that we may see on a day-to-day basis, and they take up the same spot. We know them. Maybe we've spoken to them. We know their names. I think it's probably the same for this chap here, because even as it seems from verse 10, the people knew enough about this chap to recognize him when he was healed. Isn't that the same guy that was by the beautiful gate, they would say? Well, he might well be recognized, but I doubt he'll be loved. Uh, We have great respect for people with disabilities. And as a society, we try to do all that we can to make sure that life is easy for them and they're involved in all sorts of ways. But not back then. Sadly, people were seriously ostracized back then and even ridiculed for having various forms of disabilities. That meant that they lived out their lives day by day with shame and rejection. But all of that was about to change for this particular beggar. Because in verse 1, what we see is Peter and John also going about their everyday lives. Every day, they went up to the temple to preach and to pray. Now, Luke says, notice this, that in the conversation that takes place between them, who was it that took the initiative? Well, Luke tells us that it's the beggar who took the initiative. He initiates the conversation when he says any spare change, please. Well, it doesn't say that Peter sought him out, but what we do see is that God is providing Peter with an opportunity to minister to this helpless man. What does Peter do? How does he respond? Well, I think what we see in the text is that Peter makes the most of the opportunity that God has provided for him by the beggar's question. Uh, He looks at him. He invites the beggar to look at him. Okay, so he's engaged. There must be, gets his attention. Something's going to happen. But then something astonishing takes place. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have. Now at that point, in that nanosecond, I I imagine it must have been very disappointing for the beggar to hear that. The beggar probably thought that the very thing that he needed most to live and survive was cash money but Peter has something far more valuable to give and he demonstrates his readiness to give it silver or gold verse 6 I do not have but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk now I would have given anything to see that man's face the beggar's face in that instant as Peter held out his hand to help him to his feet. Can you imagine what was going through his head at that point? It must have gone from confusion to anger to amazement to wonder to confusion again as he thinks, get up and walk. Do you have any idea what... Hang on a minute. As he feels his ankles and his feet strengthen. I'd love to have seen it. In this amazing act of power, It all happened in an instant. You would need slow-mo to capture the guy's face as he was offended and amazed. I would love to have seen it. But Peter here has been used to apprehend this man in his helplessness and do something that would point him to Jesus. He gave him newness of life. Don't Don't misunderstand this one little bit. The hand was Peter's, but the power was Christ's. 
verse 8 says the man jumped to his feet in this text actually in the following couple of sentences I'll not go into all the Greek words it'll just be boring for you seven different Greek words to describe the new mobility of this beggar it's glorious Luke runs out of words to describe how amazing this wonderful miracle is and he went then with Peter and John into the temple courts for the first time in his life verse 16 explains how this has come about it tells us about faith in Jesus Christ now don't misunderstand that it's not the faith of the beggar here that brought healing to this man it's Peter's faith it's faith that trusts that God is working everyday opportunities that come up to work with wonder working that's what Jesus wants us to see in this I think to be ready to make the most of every opportunity that he sends to apprehend people in their helplessness without him and then point them to him I don't believe that Acts 3 is inviting us necessarily to head up to the royal infirmary and start commanding people to get well while God can perform miracles as he pleases this healing was taking place at a time when signs like this serve to rubber stamp the authority, to authenticate the message of the apostles themselves in the very same way that the miracles serve to authenticate the message and the teaching and the person of Jesus Christ himself. Nevertheless, like the apostles, we are employed in Christ's service to speak as his representatives and act as his representatives saying what we say and doing what we do in the name of Jesus Christ but I want to ask the question tonight of all of us including myself are we ready to take the opportunities that he sends our way because opportunities arise for us in everyday situations what helps us be ready I'm sure in answer to the question in the introduction you, you were able to bring to mind disappointing times when an opportunity was missed well I've experienced plenty of those but what helps us be ready let me just give you three things by means of, of an application three things to pray for three things to work on to help us be ready to make the most of the opportunities that God sends our way the first thing would be just to have a missionary mindset having the attitude of a disciple maker recognizing that well I'm going to do a lot of things today and I, and I'm, I'm going to be a lot of things today. I'm a, I'm a husband, a dad, a pastor, a neighbor. But above all, I'm a missionary. I am, I'm glorifying God by making disciples wherever I am. And among all the ambitions that we have in life, our greatest ambition should be to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Having that mindset and that very attitude serves us well and helps us be ready to recognize opportunities when they come up. The second thing I was, would say would be for us to be constantly in prayer for the lost around us, whether it's people that we know or for our city in general, for nations, countries, for people groups, for the world. There are fewer things that help us anticipate and even watch out for God-given opportunities to share the gospel as we go about our everyday lives than praying for these opportunities to actually take place. When was the last time that was in our prayers? And the third thing would be to have an eternal perspective 
to remember again that Jesus is coming back and then afterwards it's judgment. Hope of heaven or the fear of hell. Reminding ourselves that those around us are heading for a lost eternity I think helps us make the most of opportunities to speak. And often we let opportunities pass by when you know, we're worried that people might humiliate us or reject us or something like that. Well, rejection by a human being I can live with, but not sharing the gospel will fill my life with regret. It's worth losing reputation or friends if by speaking we might snatch some from the fire of hell. These three things serve us well as we seek to make the most of the opportunities that God sends our way. Because in any and every circumstance, whether people are talking about family, money, relationships, health, we can ask God to help us see these opportunities and, and share just how Jesus is all about transforming not only our status before God, but our very lives, our worries, our heartaches, our shame. Everything. Are you ready? Even tonight, as we walk out, would you be ready? Attentive? The encounter with the beggar for Peter was not the only opportunity that Peter received that day. The excitement of the newly mobile beggar drew the excitement of a, an astonished crowd. Verse 12 says that when Peter saw this, that is the opportunity of a gathered crowd, he demonstrated not only his readiness to speak to people about Jesus, but his boldness in making the most of the opportunity before him. This is point two. Be bold, verses 12 to 26. Make the most of the opportunities by getting to the gospel. We should not be afraid when it comes to sharing the gospel uh, to play down the astonishment of people we speak to given the reality of the existence of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that Peter does really. He plays down astonishment. Look with me, verse 12. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? <laughs> I love that. What is the big deal? <laughs> what is the big deal with this guy who used to sit at the gate beautiful who's now leaping around jumping jumping around and holding on to us and coming into the temple and worshipping and praising God what's the big deal what else would you expect given the reality of the Lord of heaven and earth his love towards people and his desire to save what's the big surprise given the way that he has worked in history, what's the big surprise, even as you see towards the bottom of chapter 3, what's the big surprise? The prophets all the way through, the A-list celebrities of Moses and Samuel and everybody else are saying, he's going to come, this is what's going to happen, listen to him. What's, what's the, the surprise? One of the things I think I often struggled with as a young Christian was the thought that, that people who don't believe in Jesus really held to the kind of worldview that was, you know, really scientifically based, empirically, everything they believed was empirically verifiable. Whereas I believed in something that was harder to prove and required, well, a leap of faith. I hope you can detect error in that. 
But the more I dug deeper into the historical reliability of the Bible, for example, and the reasonableness of the existence of God, the more I came to realize that belief in God was not something that is unreasonable. It's, you don't have to commit, as we are often accused of, committing intellectual suicide in order to put your faith and trust in Jesus. No. In fact, the more I dug deeper into it and explored the reasonableness of it, the more I, it seemed to make sense of everything. It revolutionized the way I spoke to people about Jesus. Less hesitant, less apologetic. Instead, I sought to share the gospel boldly, even questioning some of the less than scientific things that many people around us believe. So for me, it was easy then to play down the surprise of people who were in themselves surprised that someone like me would still believe in Jesus nowadays. <laughs> really? You believe that? But God uses boldness and confidence to move people to think over the things that they, even they fall for, hook, line, and sinker. I wonder if that's been something that's a struggle for you. Why not go along to the Glad You Asked course that's running shortly? It bolsters your confidence in God's word, helps give you a reason for the hope that you have when asked. Listen, we should play down the surprise of people who think that we are committing this intellectual suicide by believing in God and his word, certainly, but boldly proclaiming the gospel, not being ashamed, not being hesitant. I mean, you're confident enough in the gospel to bank your entire eternity on it. How come we're not bold enough to actually share it when we're confronted with the opportunity? It's inconsistent. Let's imagine that you're in a coffee shop with a group of your friends. And you've been at the end of the table with one of your friends in particular chatting about some relationship troubles that they're having. And all of a sudden they look at you and they say, oh, thanks, man. You know, oh, man. Uh, you know, your advice is just really helpful. You're, you're a good guy. You know, what do you say in that kind of situation? Because there's an opportunity that arises right there. What do you say? Well, you know, at this point, your friend attributes your helpfulness to you. But you know, deep in your heart, that, that your helpfulness is tied to the way the gospel has changed your life. It's given you something to share. It's given you a worldview that serves. Well, I think we should follow Peter's example in terms of what we say. He's surrounded then by people who are staring at him in amazement saying, man, this is awesome. But Peter doesn't say, well, thanks, guys. No, in verse 12, he says, why do you stare at us as if by my own power or godliness we made this man walk? See what he does? He starts to turn attention away from himself in order to turn attention to Jesus. That's what we should do. In our boldness to share, we should turn attention away from us and get to the gospel. So when your friend says, wow, your advice is really helpful, that's really good, you could say, well, can I tell you why I give you that advice? It's because I've learned by reflecting on how God has acted toward me that relationships are messy. But relationships can be restored. And the reason I know that is because my relationship with God was messy. In fact, I was almost kind of an enemy of his, far from him even. And yet he moved towards me in love and with real humility. So that he might 
restore that relationship. And that just made me see who he is. And I just thought, man, if, if, if someone loves me that much, I'm going to give that person my love in return. I'm going to give my whole life for this. That's why I can share with you the advice that I've shared. And maybe you should think about exploring this as well. Do you fancy reading the Bible with me? Has anyone ever explained this message to you? Who knows? That might be the way to do that. By, I mean, by even just by saying this, well, you know, I understand the way that God has moved towards me to show me what a restored relationship looks like. Well, that takes the conversation naturally, if you like, up a gear. Where you're moving closer to getting to the point where you can share the gospel with crystal clarity. Okay, let me give you it straight. God, mind, Christ response. That's how we make the most of the opportunities that God gives us. We're intentional in that respect. That's what Peter did. What does he say about Jesus? He turns attention away from himself and turns their attention to Jesus. But what does he say? How does he make sure he doesn't miss the opportunity to share the gospel properly? What would you say? It it was only a few weeks ago that we explored Acts 2 together in Peter's sermon. And after the sermon, we had a little interview where we looked at two possible ways that we might be better at sharing the gospel with folks. We thought about doing a gospel presentation like Two Ways to Live or we had a worksheet where we could fill in our testimony and practice it and be ready to do it. Have you done it? Do you feel competent in that regard? Do you have a framework in mind that if if someone before you had a minute to live, you could share it? If you haven't, you might just botch the conversation and it's careless. But if you have, you've got something to say. You're ready to respond, ready to make the most of the opportunity and not not lacking boldness by fumbling for the right way to say it. Peter frames his response around four things. This is my favorite way to share the gospel with people when it comes to that. God, man, Christ response. The first thing he says in verse 13, this is about God. God. What has God done? God has glorified his servant Jesus. So Peter's telling everyone that the man that these guys rejected only weeks ago as a blasphemer is in fact the Lord of heaven and earth. God, they hated him, rejected him. God has glorified him by comparison. He's glorified Jesus, honored Jesus, given Jesus the highest name and the highest throne. Well, how does that demonstrate Peter's boldness? Because his listeners were culpable for his death. (laughs) That's boldness right there. Because that's what Peter deals with next. We've had God, who's glorified his servant Jesus. Now we have man, humankind. What is man's problem? Well, the people had, where God had glorified Jesus, the people had vilified and crucified him. They were responsible for his death. Look at verses 13 to 15 with me. What a rap sheet, by the way. What a list of convictions this is. You handed him over to be killed. Even when the governor was trying to let him go, he said. You disowned the holy and righteous one. Now that would have just brought Old Testament texts flooding to their heads. They were thinking, "Uh uh-oh. You killed the author of life. What a statement that is. He died in shame on the cross. The author of life died 
think about, let that sink in. The author of life died. There's boldness right there. Again, no tiptoeing around the issue. He's helping them to own their own guilt. God glorified Jesus. You crucified Jesus. You're culpable for his death. You're guilty. Christ is the third thing. This is where Peter turns to the good news. God raised this Jesus from the dead and is at work to help people find forgiveness through faith in Jesus. That's verses 15 to 18. So God vindicated Jesus and demonstrated with awesome power by his resurrection from the dead that he really was, is the son of God. And now Peter says, Jesus is graciously at work among you, even now through the healing of this beggar, so that you who have acted in ignorance, stupidly, could see Jesus for who he is and understand that the Bible said it would happen. He is the servant of Isaiah 52 and 53 who would be glorified because he died. God glorified the servant Jesus. Man crucified Jesus. Christ died for us so that we might have forgiveness through faith in Jesus and lastly response verse 19 Peter commands them doesn't invite them doesn't make a polite suggestion he tells them commands them to do two things turn away from sin that's the first thing and turn to God that's repentance and you do that because you believe in Jesus Christ now if you do that there are three incredible things to enjoy in here One, your sins will be wiped away, washed away forever. Your sins, all the stuff that you've done wrong, that is, even all the things that you don't even know you've done wrong that's an offense against God and broken his law. Forgiven, washed away. Slate wiped clean. It's not like a whiteboard. You know whiteboards, you write on stuff and you get your cloth or your duster thing and you wipe it off and there's still a bit of blue. You know, it's never properly white, you know. Even when you buy that spray or use vinegar, you know, whatever you find in the office, you know, it doesn't work. No, this is white, whiter than snow. This is, this is washed away, wiped clean entirely. Can you believe that? Think for a second about some of the things that you've done in your life. Any weighty things? Maybe like me, you've got some really regrettable things in your past. Maybe it's the case that you've got just day after day of falling short of God's glory and what he demands of us. Maybe you own your guilt and you know it, you feel it, you feel ashamed. What does the gospel do when we put our faith and trust in Jesus? Should you own that guilt or take it to Jesus? Yeah, it's washed away. Full and free forgiveness total forgiveness that's the first thing of these three blessings to enjoy when we respond in this way second thing is times of refreshing will come I think this refers to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit who gives new life and new purpose to those who believe and the third thing is you'll see Jesus for yourself and be with him forever when the restoration of all things takes place it is a beautiful picture 
Your sins may be wiped out. Times of refreshing may come and he may send Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. You'll remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, the new heaven and the new earth. That's what he's working towards. Now talk about boldness. Talk about making the most of an opportunity. And I wonder if you are here tonight and you're not a Christian. I wonder if anyone has ever explained the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ in that way. You just heard it. It is the best news ever. How would you respond to it? It's an important question to ask because it is in responding positively with faith and repentance, turning from sin and finding forgiveness as you turn to God to live a new life for him. That's how you find it. So you enjoy these benefits. But if you don't, well, the text says you'll be cut off from him forever. My encouragement for you is to repent from your sin and turn to faith in Jesus before it's too late. Maybe you're not quite at that point of believing. My, my, my encouragement for you is don't leave it too late. Don't leave your questions unanswered. Why don't you ask the person that brought you? Ask them to explain it a little bit more for you. Why don't you attend the Glad You Ask course? Why don't you speak to one of us? Or you could just pray to God right now. I don't even care if you listen to the rest of the sermon. If you pray right now to God and trust in Him for forgiveness, you'll receive it. God is so gracious. But Peter is bold, making the most of the opportunity. And we must make the most of the opportunities that God gives us by being bold too. Not only by being ready, but by being bold. And I think we have to. Brothers and sisters, we really cannot be, in this day and age, really expecting many people to come into our services. Now, maybe one or two. But we cannot be, in this day and age, expecting people who don't know Jesus to come into our services in order to hear Jesus, about Jesus. We need to go out. The onus and the responsibility is on us to tell them in our natural friendships and relationships, even with the strangers that we don't even know. Has that crossed your mind? A survey conducted by Tearfund in 2007 found that 70% of the UK population had no intention of attending a church service at any point in the future. I dare say that a a large number of the 30% probably have Christmas in mind. I think even at the carol services, one of the times when we really can expect to have people who don't believe in Jesus come in, but rarely apart from that. We need to be bold on everyday mission, making the most of everyday opportunities that God sends our way, being ready to make the most of those opportunities. And what can we expect when we do that? How can we expect people to respond? Well, we should be prepared to suffer be prepared because making the most of the opportunities God gives brings suffering and success it's maybe not what you were expecting maybe you expected the coffee shop you know as you share the gospel with your friend to fall on its knees and repent that may happen 
on some of these occasions when we share the gospel. But in chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, Luke tells us about the priests, the temple guard, the Sadducees, before they tell us about the people who believed. So we should expect suffering. We should ready ourselves for ridicule and rejection at times and not be surprised if it follows an occasion when we've actually shared the gospel boldly. I think Luke makes it clear that the reason Peter and John are seized and jailed is because they were speaking about Jesus boldly. But next week we'll see in Acts 4 that suffering for the gospel should not deter us from making the most of the opportunities that God gives us still to share the gospel. Because the Bible is full of promises of blessing for those who suffer because of what they share. Peter himself would later write in a letter to believers who were scattered across Europe because of persecution, would say, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Blessed! For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Or in 1 Peter 4.16 would say, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Do you remember what our verse for the year is? Have you looked at the card again? Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you and I have many people in this city. Keep on speaking because you will be blessed. Not only through, even through the suffering side of things. Do you think Peter and John were disappointed that they had shared the gospel when they ended up in jail that night? Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I doubt it very much. I bet they were singing their hearts out. I bet they were trying to convert the guys around about them. Well, we see that in the book of Acts. It's a safe bet. No, we would rejoice. We are able and glad to suffer, surely, if it means that the people that we share the gospel with have an eternity in heaven, seeing and holding Jesus' face forever. We are willing to put ourselves in physical chains, or at least behind bars, surely, if it means that people who are enslaved to their sin might be freed. We keep on speaking because we will be blessed not only through suffering, but also through seeing people saved. Verse 4 shows us that we should still not only ex expect suffering but success conversions Peter's boldness was used by God his imprisonment was not in vain it was worth it because many who heard the message that day believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000 what do we see we'll see it in consecutive passages in the coming weeks opposition and rejection cannot hinder the spread of of the gospel it cannot hinder the word of God even in and through persecution around 2,000 people had their lives transformed this day spiritually speaking they were like the beggar at the start of the story now they are leaping like a deer because that's what salvation does and God's glorious plan is to bring people from every nation to him and we need to see that the saving of the world comes through the sacrificial death of the church we lay down our lives for people we sacrifice ourselves our time 
our money, everything, for the sake of making this gospel known. And it happens, this happens when people like us prepare ourselves for suffering, yet resolve to be ready and bold to make the most of every opportunity God sends our way. So are you ready? Are you ready for the opportunities that God sends your way tonight, tomorrow, this week? Are you bold? Will you take them? Will you turn the conversation away from you or away from meaningless things and turn attention to Jesus and be ready to share the gospel? And are you prepared? Prepared to suffer? Maybe rejection, humiliation, whatever. And to rejoice because there are many people in this city. And God has not stopped saving. We pray he would save more. But we, we need to understand that it takes us making the most of our everyday opportunities to be ready for everyday mission. Let's take a few minutes to bow our heads and pray. Let's respond to God just in personal prayer just now. Maybe you want to pray prayers of confession, uh, saying sorry for being ill-prepared, perhaps sorry for timidity. Pray for boldness. Pray prayers of intercession. Ask God for boldness for all of us and ask him to help us lay down our lives so that more may be reached. respond in worship and praise as well to our great God who has taken us we who were spiritually speaking like the beggar at the start of our story and through his wonder working power of the gospel the power of his blood 